Hi, it's David Aber with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. So what do you get when you combine the instructional excellence of an Ivy League university, the meticulously cultivated lush grounds of a presidential palace or southern estate, and the service culture and amenities of the Ritz-Carlton? You are not going to want to miss my conversation with Dr. Nito Cobain of the extraordinary, almost indescribable High Point University back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Hi, it's David Averin. Thanks and welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Today is a, a really fascinating um, conversation. You know, we, we talk a lot about customer experience with different business models from high tech to restaurant retail and others. But there's not a lot of innovation going on in higher education, which is ironic because there's, I think, a real transformation in terms of how we learn the amount of information that's available online, the chorus of voices who are saying, don't go to college anymore, it's not worth it. But there are pockets of extraordinary innovation. And you're going to want to listen to this show because I'm having a conversation today with Dr. Nito Cobain. I'm going to let um, Dr. Cobain uh, introduce himself a little more, but, but uh, full disclosure, my daughter was a student at High Point University, and I'm not doing the interview because, and talking about the extraordinary university because my daughter went there, my daughter went there because it was an extraordinary university. I've known Dr. Nato Cobain for a lot of years through our, our mutual work as professional speakers, but his, his background is, is, is unbelievable. A dozen plus books, um, coming to America, rags to riches, uh, Emmy nominated documentary about his life and what he has done to transform the sleepy little university that is coming up on its centennial, isn't it here coming up in a couple of years. And, um, it, it, it has been nothing short of miraculous, even to the point where CEOs will, will come together and make a pilgrimage every year to come to High Point to learn and see how they do what they do. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nino Cobain. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure for me to be with you. And you're right, CEOs are beating a path to our door because they want to figure out how does this culture work? How do you get people to perform at a high level of productivity? How do you make sure that people are inspired, engaged, and involved at a significant level to create for all of our students, you know, a life of success, but a life also framed with significance? So I think we know a couple of things here, you know, like that old ad says, uh, the insurance ad says, uh, we uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Yeah. At Hype University, we know a thing or two, David, because we've done a thing or two. Well, and let me let me back up a little bit because those who are listening right now, it might sound like a commercial for university. This is different. This is not not what I think anybody expects. If you are not familiar, and there is a growing chorus of of enthusiasts for High Point University for what you've done, this isn't a normal transformation. This isn't somebody saying we're focusing on a quality education. Everybody does. I mean, listen, there's smart people everywhere. Every university has as uh, learned professors and eager students. There is something so tangibly and viscerally different about the environment that was created, the facilities that have been built, and, and the attitude behind it. I mean, it's from the point of, and here's something I would normally not encourage. For those of you who are listening to this podcast right now or watching the video version on my website or on YouTube, I would encourage you, even while you're listening to this, 
Go on your computer right now and Google High Point University and click on images. Literally like nothing you've ever seen before. Now, what does that have to do with educating our kids? And what does that have to do with a new generation of learning? What does that have to do with marketing? That's what I want to talk about today. So, you know, take me back a little bit about uh, the time when you were, you are a graduate of High Point or you attended High Point. Um, Under, many, undergraduate. Undergraduate, yes. yeah, may, way in the past. Um, but through your years, you were ultimately asked to take over as the seventh president in 100 years in 2005. Tell us about what happened so that we understand where you've been so that we have a greater appreciation of where you are today. Yeah, David, look, I, I, uh, I'm a believer that one third of my life I'll invest in earning, one third of my life I invest in learning, one third of my life I invest in serving. So I was gonna be the chairman of the board of High Point University. I did go here undergrad and uh, been blessed in my life and started a few companies and served on a few boards and so on. And uh, when they asked me to come back here, you know, my immediate reaction is there's no way. I mean, I'm at the epitome, the zenith of my career, speaking, consulting, writing, coaching, leading companies, all the rest. However, David, something amazing in the journey of life, sometimes out of the blue, you get an inspiration, a voice within you that says, it's not enough to be successful. You got to create significance in your life. It's not enough to just be influential. You must create impact in all the circles of influence in which you're privileged to be. And so, you know, I thought about it and prayed about it. And in the end, I decided I'll come here. And honestly, I thought it'd be a two-year deal. I'll fix it up and go back on to making some serious money again, David, like you do. And so uh, the reality of it is I came here and fell in love. Now, give us a sense of what you, where you were uh, in terms of student body, numbers, yeah. campus in 2005, that'll give us a stage for sort of your vision sure. and what you've done to grow it since. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we had 1,400 students then. This is a dozen years ago. Today, we have 5,600. We had three academic schools then. Today, we have nine academic schools. We only offered BA and BS then. Now, we offer all the way doctoral degrees. Uh, we were number 17 on US News World Report among best colleges in the South. Score of 63 out of 100. Today, we're 100 out of 100. 10 years running number one best college among best colleges in the South category in US News World Report. We're among the best 385 colleges listed in Princeton Review, and the rankings go on and on and on. More importantly, we were 91 acres, landlocked. You cannot expand your university. Today, we're more than 500 acres. We had 100 faculty members. Today, we have 350 faculty members. We had revenues of 28 million. Today, we have revenues of 350 million. On and on, the story goes, I can bore you with stats, but the story is the same. There, there are no such thing as unrealistic dreams. When there is a clear vision, when there is a solid strategy, when you execute consistently, you can make it happen. Your beliefs lead your behaviors, lead your results. That's the story of Hype University. I came here and I said, we must believe in the art of the possible. We have a can-do attitude. Let's go out there and make it happen. Get the money and render. Now, David, listen to this. Render appreciated value. Not just value. That's the mistake so many companies make. We render value. Well, of course you render value. Otherwise, you'd be out of business. The key is to render appreciated value. In other words, the person whom you, you choose to serve 
must acknowledge, understand, viscerally feel that the value of rendering meets their goals, their aspirations, overcome their fears, and prepare them for life. Sure, but but let's talk about growth. Let's talk about growth and the reasons for justifying the funding of it, but also what that does to attract students, parents, donors, partners, and others as well. Because it was more than just a vision of growth, wasn't it? There was there was a level of extraordinary excellence, and not just in terms of quality, but literally things that people would not have thought about within a university setting. You step foot on campus and you're like the most gorgeous Southern mansion buildings. I mean, it, it's, it's out of Disney. It's out of, uh, but it isn't plastic. It's so real and visceral. When you walk into a building, it's like you're walking to a mansion and you look through the doorway and there's a class full of beautiful kids with the most technological state-of-the-art um, um, amenities and resources and tools at their disposal. Tell me about the vision for a different kind of university. Yeah, a casual observer would look at all this and say, we're pampering our students. An intelligent, informed observer would look at all this and say, you're preparing your students. So we are preparing our students. We are the premier life skills university. And I will say to you, you can prepare people at a top level, medium level, lower level, you choose. We want our students to exit the hall hallways, make the world a better place. We want them to be people that employers wanna hire. By the way, 97% of our graduates within six months of graduation, get a job, start a business, or go to graduate school of their own choice. That's 11 points higher than the national average. And that's not coincidental. That's what you're talking about. We first and foremost, we create an, an energetic campus. That's what Hype One is. It's an energetic campus. The fountains, the people walk with energy. There is happiness in the air. There's joy in the environment. Because you see, a happy person will perform better. It's true in business, true in school. So we make sure that's the case. Second, it's a very safe community. Therefore, parents are willing to send their kids here. Third, we have a lot of practitioners. For example, the co-founder of Netflix is on our team. The co-founder of Apple Computer is on our team. John Maxwell in leadership, whom you know, is on our team. Um, the gentleman who was selected as the U.S. ambassador to the European Union is on our team. We have about 25 of those who come here and teach the practical aspects of life and living. And that's what the university must do. If you graduate with a 4.0 GPA uh, and all straight A's, but you don't understand how to build bridges with other people, be a team player, be a solution finder, be a decision maker. I'm not sure you're educated. I think you're trained. That's my message. And you know what, David? That message sells. Hypon is not an inexpensive school, but Hypon renders more than the price of admission by a long shot. And David, in the middle of the pandemic, when the national average uh, of, of, of enrollment went down 14.2%, Hypon went up 5.6%. There's something magical here. There, there is. Waited parents like you to say, ah, oh, that's what I want for my kid. And we so, give you that in ample supply. So what, but let me give it to you from a, from a practical standpoint. And, and, and as we talk about how do we manifest this and what you do, why those CEOs from major organizations make that pilgrimage to get a sense of how do they do what they do? Because you can pay lip service to it and everybody pays lip service. Listen, for us at the end of the day, it's about the customer. Okay, well, what does that look like? 
right? What does that tangibly look like in terms of policies and procedures? I will tell you, um, my daughter Sierra, of course, was was a, a attended High Point University, but she had a lot of choices. She was a valedictorian. This was High Point was the tenth. I, I swear, I spent as much money touring colleges as I spent at college, but it was the tenth college that we visited. She was accepted everywhere. She was she got awarded. It was very funny. She was awarded the Rod Serling Scholarship, I think, at Ithaca, and she said to me, "Who is Rod Serling?" I said, "Oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh," you know? <laughs> and so had to explain to her. But but UCLA and and Syracuse and Ithaca and all these things, and it was the last school. She was bound and determined she was not going to go to High Point University. And we stepped on campus in the first 10 minutes, she goes, oh, I don't know that this is me. And by noon, she says, dad, I have to be here. I have to be here because we were there early in the morning. It was gorgeous, of course, and beautiful North Carolina. If you know, it's in High Point, North Carolina. But there was a point in the morning where all of a sudden the doors to the dorms opened up and kids started pouring onto campus. And as they go and they stop at these stations, they get granola bars and, and free water and all of this stuff because they need to be nourished and hydrated. But she, what she saw was just great kids that were her and, and it felt like her. And we all know as parents that when our kids step onto a, a, do a, the college tours and my brother, coincidentally, as we're having this conversation, my brother and my niece are on campus at High Point right now at this moment. Um, it has to feel like them for the kids. They got to feel that it's, it, there's a feeling, a visceral feeling, but that comes from intentionality, doesn't it, Nito? It comes from not just wanting to create an experience, but tell me some of the tangible things that you have done to create sights, sounds, smells, amenities that you don't get anywhere else. And we've been on a lot of colleges. This is not my first rodeo. I got my last kid out of, out of five. And, but there is something tangibly different. So talk to me a little bit, not just the philosophy. What are the tangible things that you did? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would like to claim that Sierra is so outstanding because uh, we, we showed her how to do that. The truth is she came here as an extraordinary student. She did unbelievable things on this campus as a leader and with the National Speaker Association and everything else. Sure, but there was, but there was a fit, then. she fit. Tell me about some of the things that you yeah, did. Yeah, well, look, first and foremost, academics is at the heart of any university and it is with High Point University. Students come here to learn, the, to become experts in a discipline. We must deliver on that uh, in great supply. Otherwise it's all foolhardy. We do that very, very well by resourcing faculty, by making sure we have the best labs, best classrooms, et cetera. What do we do tangibly is we, we feed the mind, but we also feed the heart and the soul. And we do it in many, many different ways. For example, every student here has to go to class. We, we actually take attendance in class. Our classes are small, about 20 per class. Every student here has to be engaged in service learning. We give them credit for that. Every student here has to go to some global learning of some sort, and we make it available to them. In fact, we make it tuition-free now. Every student here has to learn something about the three disciplines in life without which you simply will not succeed as well as you could otherwise. Communication, business, and leadership. And we now make that degree, master's degree, free of tuition to encourage students to become informed in those areas. These are outliers. Schools don't do stuff like this. Sure. So what we do tangibly is, number one, you create a beautiful place for them in which to live. Where you live is very important. If you live in a rat-infested place or the tiles are falling off the ceiling or the bed is old and ragged, 
that there's something to your soul. So we make sure that where they live is good. We make sure that we're number one in the country among all Aramark campuses, number one company in, in the nation. We're number one always in food. We have 16 restaurants. We even have a steak house where we don't, we're not just trying to feed them cows here. What we're trying to do is teach them etiquette and protocol about life. We even bring executives to come in and have dinner with them and interview them over a meal, which is, this is life. Let me pause for a second, because this is one of the things that was so extraordinary is I remember we had that conversation and that it's more than that. There's not just a steakhouse. It is a, a true elegant steakhouse as part of the university center. And if I tell me if I get all this right, but as students, they get to go there as part of their meal plan once a month. They have to dress up. Once a week. Once a week. Once a week. Wow. Once a week. They have to dress up. They have to make a reservation. They cannot miss their reservation or they're penalized for that because that's how the world works. But while they're there, the and they cannot have their iPhone with them, David. No oh, iPhone for ninety even, minutes. Even better, but but the staff also helps to train them what an appropriate business meal and meeting, and encourages them and mentors them through all of that. That is extraordinary. That is correct. The way you stated it is all correct, and more than that. One half of the menu is a global menu. It's from a country. It changes every month. The idea is to make you aware. Look, David, education is about awareness. Knowledge does not equal understanding. You can be the most knowledgeable person in the world. It doesn't follow. You can actualize that knowledge. So, so really, it's all about awareness. If I can make you aware that there's a better day that lies ahead, that you can be a better person, then you can make the world a better place, then you can be more learned, whatever it is, if I can create that awareness within you, you can apply that in every endeavor in your life. That, my friend, is transformational education, not transactional stuff. I go to the class, memorize the stuff, make an A, get so many credit hours, and I graduate. So what we do, you ask me what we do. Number one is where they live. Number two is where they, what they eat. Number three is they feel safe in the environment. Number four is most important, mentorship. So our faculty are not teachers. They're enablers of learning. That's a diametrically different way to describe what happens in an academic institution. This isn't, I have the authority, you do what I tell you. This is, David, let me see what you know, what your interests are, and let me bring you into my world of, chemistry, physics, math, communication, whatever. That's mentorship. All of our faculty are required to be on campus every single day. That's unusual, check it out. And, and so, so we make sure the, the learning experience is valid and vibrant and substantive and substantial. Then we do lots of little things, right? So this pandemic, for example, has created havoc on college campuses. And I said, you know, they can't do this, they can't do this, they can't do this, distanced here mask there. So we, we created a number of things that they can do, including a skating rink. We have a beautiful 6,000 square foot skating rink outdoors that they can go and skate every day. By the way, everything at High Point is free. You know that. You pay one fee. Everything is included. So there's no no parents feeling these irritants coming their way. Right. But and let, let me give you a, a quick aside as you're talking about the amenities. I remember when when my daughter was talking to others and she's saying, and everything at High Point is free. The laundry is free. The, the popcorn at the movie theater on campus is free. There's an ice cream truck goes around. It's free. And I said, I said, baby, baby, it's not free. It's included. Just to, just to be clear, nothing's free. 
but it but it's so worth it because here's the point is you're talking about some of the amenities and there's I mean how many swimming pools on campus? Yeah, we have we have swimming pools. They're not they're not lazy rivers. No, they're just not the pools for health. Right. Right. It's health and it's and it's connection. I mean, you built. I mean, my I've got other kids who went to school. My I have another daughter who's getting ready to graduate from from a different university right now, but. You know, in, in many of these places, the, you know, the, the fraternities and the sororities, it's some old place, it's on campus, it's in a dorm room. You literally built a Greek village from scratch. Mm. How many fraternity houses, how many sorority, they're on campus within the walls of the campus itself, but they are brand new and clean and excellent. And it's a different thought of maybe more of the original thought of what sororities and fraternities should be in terms of service and connection, yeah. and brotherhood and sisterhood. But it's all part of that mindset, isn't it? I remember, David, I mean, you've known me a long time. I come from business. I was 35 years in business. I started six businesses. I get it. I understand the practical application of learning. I understand what it takes to meet a payroll. I understand what it takes for you to be uh, a person of appreciated value. So someone would want to hire you or partner with you. And I brought this discipline to High Point University, and I was able, thank God, to persuade faculty and staff that such a culture is good for them. It's enlightened self-interest. That a successful university means sustainability for you. It means more resources for you to do your work, to do your research, uh, to know but, that. But, you but no done. small task in in no, making that because it was a whole but new it, thought, wasn't it? It takes leadership. It's like anything else. It takes a leader, number one, who is a clear picture of what he or she is trying to communicate. I have a very clear picture of what we're trying to communicate. I want every student to receive an extraordinary education in an inspiring environment with caring people. Second, it takes a leader who knows how to execute on that by creating capacity in others. You can't do it all by yourself. I have 2,000 employees. So I have to create capacity in all the, that means I have to mentor them, coach them, show them how their beliefs lead to their behaviors, their behaviors lead to the results. Third, you must have a continuum of exposure to the same principles that your mission calls for. This is where I think a lot of leaders miss the point. Right. So every month I meet with all the faculty. Every month I meet with all the staff. Every month I meet with all the people right down to the dishwasher. And in that meeting, we have acknowledgements. You can stand up and say, I acknowledge David because David did such and such. And it's always focused on the student, right? What can we do to make the student's life greater? And then of course, we, 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 we give them information so they feel that they're ambassadors of this university. That takes energy and effort to do that. But it's worthwhile. We have Christmas parties. We have we have events in the in, in the summer. We give them we give them all. I give all my employees six hundred dollars so they can eat on campus free. I gave the university one of my homes at the beach. Gave it to the university so that faculty can go with their family and stay there free. I gave them a faculty club. Um, we give them we give them all the technology they want to get and to keep and to use. The point is, we value every relationship and we respect every individual. When one of your associates in a business feels that, not understands it just you know, up here, but right. feels it on a day-to-day, -day, magic happens. When this pandemic hit, David, all the, all the schools shut down. So yeah. you know, a single parent working, or even two parents working, what do they do with the kids? So we gave them money to, to hire uh, you know, babysitters or to, to go to a special 
uh, nursery and so on. I mean, that's what you have to do to create oneness and sense of community. And we do it here in ample supply. We know that this is an educational institution. We get that. And we do that in large, our school, our kids go, like Sierra, they go to Duke, they go to Harvard, they go to Yale, they become doctors, lawyers, and so on. We, our, our results are amazing. But the life on campus is magical. And I don't apologize for that. We don't apologize for success. Our campus looks enormously successful because is because it is. Yep. But but you know you you have you're trying to be the right school for the right people. We're not trying to be all things to all people. Listen, we're talking to Dr. Nito Quibane, president of High Point University. Let's talk real quickly about about the competitive environment because you know that you're in competition for the best kids right? Everybody, and, and some of them who want football teams, or, or there's different things, right? We want to be the right fit for the right kind of kid. You still have a capacity of about 5,000 students. You've grown significantly from 1,400 and tripled the staff, tripled the uh, the amount of students, but you're still competing for the right ones. But what's different today, and I, and I want your, your feedback on this, is you're not just competing. You know you're not just competing against the best schools for the best kids. You're also competing against a new mantra, a new mindset, a new assertion that college isn't worth it. What are you doing paying for whatever? I've had that conversation with my son. He says, dad, why do you need to spend $200,000 for me to go drink with my friends or whatever else? I've got a different vision for how I'm going to do X or Y. They're watching Gary Vaynerchuk. They're watching other people doing videos online who are saying either A or Elon Musk, A, you don't need college, doesn't make sense. Or anything you want to learn, you can learn on YouTube or something else, but you are providing something that is different because you know your constituency isn't just the kids, it's the parents. Talk more about that. Well, um, David, it is very, very easy for an individual who becomes very successful to say, I don't need this and I don't need that. Right. That's very easy. I, I'm with you, um, I'm with you on but, that one. But for every one of those who succeeded magically, without going to college, how about if I name you a million who did not succeed? It's like writing a book, you know, for every mega, mega bestseller, at least a million who barely got At by. least, yeah. So I think the reality of saying that you don't have to go to college is foolhardy. And look at the Chinese. There are more people in China learning English as a second language, and every one of them is going to college, by the way, than there are native English speakers in all the world. Just look at the Chinese, you don't have to go any further. Look at India. Ask them if their kids are going to college. So do we want American kids to say, oh, no, I'm just going to go do my YouTube thing. I'll make money. Great. But at some point in your life, you will acknowledge that your critical thinking is not as sharp as it could have been had you been involved on a residential campus where you would have been, it's been imposed upon you in so many ways that you have to survive and you have to develop those skills. So I'm not buying it. You know, all my four kids went undergrad and grad. In fact, if anything, everybody should have at least a master's degree moving forward because we are globally competitive. And the Indians made, um, you know, uh, Silicon Valley what it is. And the Chinese are controlling the world in so many ways. So I think that's foolhardy to discuss that point. I do think you have a very good point about the competitive nature, which has application to any business, any sector. That is true. There is a measurable competitive nature today. Uh, a, it comes because of affordability. So the more government says, for example, public universities could be free, which I have no idea how you do that. Right. Uh, I'm not sure the quality of education would be anywhere close to what it could be if it went that way. But regardless, the more you talk like that, 
the more you create competitiveness for schools like ours. So when I just go to that school, it's free. But David, you yourself exist at this very moment in a highly competitive sector, speaking, teaching, coaching, uh, um, consulting, writing, you yourself. Right. Understand that. And yet you yourself are magically very successful. What was that all about? Yeah, there's no, there's no magic in any of it. Well, because you work hard, you deliver right. appreciate value. People get to know you. People like doing business with you. You are, you are, uh, you are in a continuum of learning and growing. Sure. You're not stale, and on and on. That's true of universities. A lot of universities are not going to make it. You know that. A lot are yeah. not making it today. But yeah. a school like High Point will thrive because we are going to appeal to that household that says, I want my kid to be more successful than me. I like the fact these guys are saying that profit, P-R-O-F-I-T is not a bad word. I like that. I like the fact that they have, you know, respect for the system and yet they're trying to make it better and better through social justice and other areas. And so I don't have any worries about that, but, but there, is, there is demand on our skill base and on our delivery systems to ensure that if you want to be competitive, you must be extraordinary. You can't. You must swim in a small pool of distinction, and you must have some things that you're doing that people can acknowledge as valuable in their own lives. You know, where I see this, the conversation shifting, and I think it needs to shift even more so, isn't necessarily outcome based, but the process itself. And as a as a father of of three plus two step kids, five altogether. Um, it's not just the degree and the value, people saying the value of the degree. I don't think that's the discussion that we should be having. It's what's happening during those years. Of course, As of we course. watch our kids go from 18 to 22, they're different people when they start, not just the amount that they yes. drank during that time. And so when my daughter not only had an extraordinary experience in education, she spent a semester in Florence. Yes. She got a, an extraordinary internship that turned into an immediate job. Her first job out of college was with DreamWorks in Hollywood. I mean, extraordinary. But what happens during that time, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about High Point, it's not just what are we doing to attract, and of course, it gives us a great comfort level as parents, but we have a better sense, a better cognizance of what's happening during those four years yes. that are preparing them for the world. And that, I know, is a, is a big focus of High Point. Yes, it's planting seeds of greatness in their minds, hearts, and souls. It's saying that you were born for a purpose. It's saying that when you know your why, you'll always figure out your how. It's saying that the world is waiting for you if you have something worthwhile to offer. And it's saying that you can do it. Don't let anyone ever suffocate your desire for making good things happen in life. As as normal as this sounds to you and to me and to those who listen to you and view you and your podcast, let me tell you, that's not as normal as you think. Right, for right. Teenagers, they have not been told that. They've, in some cases, and they haven't been, been exposed to it, right? It's hard to know what's possible when you've never actually seen it in your life. Right. That's a great point. Right. That's and being surrounded point. by even even the facilities, which some people will. And I think they're all haters and they're jealous, of whatever else, because they don't have a chance to. I mean, I would love to go um, to have gone to a university like that. But the excellent facilities is to isn't it to some extent, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, to acclimate them to being surrounded in, in a successful environment. And that's well, what we, we, call, aspire we call it. To. We call it higher learning, higher living. Right. So if you want to improve your lot in life, you must first develop the awareness that there is a lot better that I can improve into. But, but, but remember, our facilities 
I love the way you describe them as Southern mansions. They're really intended to be corporate offices. So right. that when you graduate from here and you go to DreamWorks and you walk in for an interview, you are not intimidated. You right. have lived it. You've been in it. You've met a lot of business people here. You've heard him speak. You've engaged in discussions with him. You're ready. That stuff does not intimidate you. Now, that is not enough. You have to bring with you a, a, an arsenal of knowledge and understanding and skills and, and growth mindsets, which is what we do here. This is what we mentor on a daily basis. And David, the, 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 the proof is in the pudding. You know, there's a reason why parents are giving us almost $50 million a year in gifts over and above what they pay. There's a reason why the CEO of Ashley Furniture Company gave us 30 million. You know, we, we, we've built half a billion dollars worth of, of buildings uh, recently. And every bit of it, every bit of it was paid for with cash. We're blessed and highly favored, but that's because we're delivering for their children value that can can way transcend the four or five years in college. Well, and, and also, and look, and look we're not perfect, right? I tell audiences, right. we're not perfect. Perfection is not our goal. Excellence is our goal. Right. And as parents, we want our kids to be in a safe environment. Um, once again, as, as I encourage people who are listening or watching this, Google High Point University, click on images, and you'll get a sense when, when Dr. Corbain talks about buildings, they are extraordinary, but they're extraordinary places of learning and being in that environment. And there's a reason why. What's the percentage of, of your students that live on campus? Because that's another part that's just remarkable. 94%. 94%. They live on campus. Most schools, so, after their freshman year, they're dying to get off. There's just so much to do yeah. on campus. You keep them engaged. Well, listen, freshmen, sophomore, juniors have to live on campus. Seniors can live off campus. 86% of the seniors choose to live on campus. Grad right. schools can live anywhere they want. About 30% of our grad students live on campus. I, I wouldn't and, want to leave. And, you know, they're smart to do that, actually, because it's a phenomenal place to be. Yeah. So, so um, as, as we wrap up here real quickly, um, what's next? Uh, I know there, there's constant growth, but at some point, we there's that law of diminishing return. Uh, critical well, it's an expansion in academic offerings. So... You know, we now have, of course, doctors of physical therapy, doctor of pharmacy, et cetera. We just started a nursing school. Several years ago, we started an engineering school. Um, we're finishing up, by the way, a $170 million building. Nothing like it in the country. You've got to come see it, David. It is an arena in which we play basketball. It looks like an NBA arena. And it has a hotel built into it in the same building and a conference center. And it's it's, a, it's really, really remarkable. You've got to see it too. As one of one very famous basketball player came and saw it and said to me, he said, you know, this looks like a fine art center in which occasionally you'll play basketball. I like that. Division um, one we're basketball. Building a library, we're building a library right after that, $80 million library. But look, we will continue to expand, but mostly we're expanding our pool for scholarship to make affordability more, more available to more students. We have a goal to raise $700 million just for scholarships. We're giving $55 million in scholarships now. We'd like to please double that. So, you know, we've got a lot of things on the offering. We have at least 22 other programs we're looking at. We're going to start a school of optometry, school of podiatry, and so on. So I love it. Look, I've been here 15 years. David, I left a very, very, very uh, successful career with significant income, and I came here to serve, and I've loved every minute of it. 
And uh, I'm signed on for the rest of my life, man. I ain't leaving this place unless they drag me out or unless I get dementia. I don't remember your first name, uh, Jack. Right, that, yeah. <laughs> build, listen, build something uh, absolutely extraordinary. Talking to Dr. Nito Cobain from High Point University. Look them up at highpoint.edu. If you are a, a parent of a high school kid, make a pilgrimage to High Point, North Carolina. And no matter what you do, at least take a look at it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that I told people, I say like, if you have never flown Singapore Airlines or Cathay Pacific, don't, because it will ruin you for any other experience. It's so extraordinary. It's almost the same of what you'll find. Um, what I love is the idea of, the, of what's possible. And it's rethinking a traditional model in a way that is preferable and not just effective, um, and an effective in a very different way. Big thanks to Dr. Cobain for, uh, for, for joining us here on the podcast. This, pon this podcast is sponsored in part by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. Listen, some of your most innovative solutions to your biggest customer-facing challenges are likely found, as Nito knows, within the creative minds of your own people. Lead a weekly morning huddle conversation with your team. I will give you the content. I will challenge your thinking. You can learn more about membership in this powerful internal initiative by visiting customerexperienceadvantage.com. Listen, all my books are available on Amazon. I know Neil's got a dozen books as well, including the acclaimed, I'll show it here for the video version, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. was named one of the top 10 of the year in Forbes. And my brand new book coming soon, is based on my other series called The Morning Huddle. So look for that on Amazon as well. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave comments below, and click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. I would also love to come and present for your group meeting, your conference, learn more about my in-person speaking, my live virtual speaking and consulting at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Check out past episodes, leave a comment. Big thanks to Dr. Nito Cobain. I'm David Averin. Be good. Thanks. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.